Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday, April Fool's Day, he's the biggest fool in Manchester. And that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one <laughs> wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. It's the Bola Boys. Um, back with not our regular pod, but something slightly different. To uh, commiserate the close of the transfer window, we've decided to have a short pod, talk about what's been going on over the last few days, and also to give Vis a stage to pour out all his emotions on CR7 returning. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, uh, without going into too much more detail, my name's Rahul. I'm hosting today and I'm joined by Kaiser. Hello. And Vis. Hello, hello. So Vis, uh, I'm gonna keep it on you. Let's let's get straight into it. CR7 has returned. Your chosen one. Tell uh, me, talk to me about it. Uh, I'm just, uh, I'm I'm very happy. I'm extremely <laughs> happy. I'm just so happy. At first, at first when it actually happened, right? It's like it's like something that you know that happens. It's like a dream, bro. Like you have a dream where wow, suddenly you got like thirty million or something in your bank account, some shit. Then you wake up, actually, it's nothing. It's just a dream, right? And this one, I swear to God, when I woke up in the morning, I was like, something amazing happened last night. Then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I went and checked my phone. And I was like, see? <laughs> see? It's really happening. I saw this the next day and yeah, yeah. the smile and smirk on his face yeah. was so very the, annoying. The, uh, it's just the impact of something like that can have on your day, your month, your life, you know. <laughs> it's something else, bro. I'm very, very, very happy. Very your happy. life. Yeah. Wow. And the thing is, I think the timing as well is so nice to come after a transfer window where you guys have done well already, bringing in yeah, Sancho, so bringing in Varane, um, and then you add this on top of it. It seems great. Um, how do you think he's going to fit in? Obviously, I would assume he'll be starting, but where does he start and what does it mean for the rest of them? Well, more than anything, um, of course, is Ronaldo. His ability is not questioned, but... Uh, the fact that his impact will bring for the younger players in that squad. There are a lot of youngsters in that United squad that would need like leadership skills and like just to learn of someone like Ronaldo. You know, you look at Mason Greenwood, he's such a good player already, you know, but he still has so much more room to develop. And he's learning from Sosha, who used to be a striker. He's learning from Cavani. And then he has Ronaldo as well. So that impact that Ronaldo will bring, I feel, will far outweigh what he will contribute in terms of goals and assists and all that. I mean, I am a bit skeptical. At first, I thought, wow, this fulfiller at 36 years old already, sure or not, can. Is it going to be another Falcao or whatever? Then I took a step back. I was like, no, this is fucking Ronaldo, bro. This is Ronaldo and, you know, arguably the best player along with Messi in the world that we've seen, you know. So it'd be a huge impact in terms of how he will contribute goals and his uh, his changing room presence as well as uh, the commercial impact Ronaldo would, would bring to the club. Definitely. So I think the positives, when you look at just the surface, is so obvious. On the pitch, yeah. 100%. I have no doubt in my mind he's going to be scoring goals. He'll be given the opportunities to score goals. But when you look at it a bit deeper, the first things that occur to me or sort of jump out at me is you're bringing in, like you said, 36, 37-year-old. He's going to be on about 500k gross wages I think so his net wages about 250 280k so that's yes, a sizable yes, wage correct. packet 
So that's the second thing. And the third thing which jumps out to me is now you're signing on a two-year contract. You're almost blocking a spot in that number nine role where you sort of guys have been putting everyone on like one-year contract, two-year contracts in the hope for a big signing. Kane was yeah. you know, possibly going to fill that spot. It doesn't seem like he's going to do it. I thought after yeah. the summer before Ronaldo had signed, I thought Haaland was mm-hmm. a sure-in for you guys, you know, next season. Okay. And I think bringing in okay. Ronaldo blocks that pass. So, Kaiser, how do you see this for United long-term if we look past all the fanfare and all the, you know, immediate sort of reaction to it? Yeah, I think normal. I think the hype and feel-good factor now is, like, amazing. I think once that dies down um, and we can really see how his impact to the to the club will really be. Like you mentioned, it might stunt the growth of people like Greenwood, who has had, been having a good start to the season uh, up front um, as well. Um, and like you said, I don't know about the ha- Haaland piece. I mean, yeah, overall, it feels like, we'll come on to this a bit later, but City might have long-term be, be the winners here if they can get someone like Haaland uh, next season um, as well. But I think once... Um, you see Ronaldo having uh, the number nine spot. Um, if he starts to not perform or anything, I think that romantic romance feeling and the feel-good factor can can quickly quickly die down and quickly um, disappear. Can be badly impacted for United. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that jumps out at me is first of all for Mason Greenwood. He started the season so well. I think his best games have come centrally, even though they played him on the left um, at times. Yeah. I mean, there's no way he's going to be starting in a number nine if Ronaldo is there and Ronaldo's fit. So that's the yeah. first thing that jumps out yeah. at me. The second thing is Bruno Fernandes. So Bruno Fernandes, I think his best uh, moments in the last 18 months have not been in a Portugal shirt. They've been definitely for Man United, right? And that's been the case because he was the main man. He's on penalties, he's on free kicks, he's on, well, not corners, yeah. but he's on the other two set pieces. Ronaldo comes in, he, yeah. he's probably not going to be on penalties. I can't imagine him going up to Ronaldo and be like, yeah, yeah, I take I take the penalties for Man United. That's not happening. <laughs> you know, and I don't yeah. know. Obviously, you're gaining a lot from yeah. Cristiano. You're gaining a lot in that sense. But I'm trying to think, how much are you taking away from the other players around him? More than it takes away something from the other players, I think the impact that he'll bring, he will take everyone else to the next level, I feel. That's what I feel. I'm looking at it from a positive light. And it, just how... Uh, before we signed Bruno, the the lads were average, you know, the whole group of them. And after Bruno came only, the whole squad sort of, you know, like, oh shit, you know, let's let's get our shit together. And they sort of raised the level, you know. Bro, two, three seasons ago, if you had asked me if United going to finish in the top four, I'd be like, I, God knows, you know, I really don't know. And ever since Bruno has arrived, I can confidently say that, yeah. that we have become a top four club. So, Right now, no, I'm not saying top four club, but what I'm trying to say is that, you know, we are going to comfortably finish in the top four. That's that's yeah. my way of looking yeah. at it right now. So, bringing in Ronaldo, if anything, uh, I understand your, your point with Mason Greenwood, but what Ole is doing with the, the forwards especially is Mason is just not going to play a number nine. He's going to be flexible in terms of he can play off the left, he can play off the right. And same thing with Rashford and Sancho. He wants the three of them to be interchangeable. So yes, Ronaldo is going to be up top. He's going to be the main striker. But that doesn't mean that Ronaldo won't be able to drift and give space for Greenwood to go in. You know, that that front three is very interchangeable. It's not so much like, you can see, you look at Liverpool, right? It's Firmino in the middle who drops deep for the two uh, Salah and Mane. It's not like that. It's more of these three can interchange at any time. 
with uh, United's front three. So I don't I don't see Greenwood's uh, impact being I mean his growth being hampered at all at all, bro. Because we signed Cavani, we have Martial who's a striker and he's been benching all of them. And yeah, you know it's not so easy to bench Ronaldo. But what I'm trying to say is, if anything, right now Ronaldo goes into the team first, and then second will be Mason Greenwood. On, above Rashford, above uh, Sancho, and above Martial as well. So if he can keep that that sort of you know in that that pecking order, his form in that pecking order, I don't I don't see a. a well, then what happens to to Rashford, which you said, who you said will come back from injury and will be slotted yeah. in the team, right? Because so he's so effective. So it'll the, be between. Left, so yeah, that's yeah. the thing, lah. So it'll be between Rashford and Sancho who will have to fight for their positions essentially. That's that's how I look at it. For me, it's a, it's a good problem to have. I feel for sure. You know, at the end of the day, because. You know, if if one of them get, you see, like if let's say we didn't have Sancho and uh, Rashford was injured, uh, who are we going to play? Martial. Martial hasn't played uh, as a winger in so long. You know, he was sort of transitioned to being a striker. Now, you know, the last game we played him as a winger, and and we don't have that that selection of forwards, and it's a great problem. I enjoy having this problem of having too many people, yeah. and you don't know who to pick. The competition will be next level, bro. Let me pose this question. I mean, he's been posting up great numbers. Um, I mean, very consistent, of course, similar to Messi. Uh, but the yeah. decline must be coming soon. I mean, he's 36. Um, and apart from that also, uh, will Ole be able to bench him after he has a bad run of games, you feel? That is a very good question and that we have to wait and see, I must say. Because with Ole, right, he... Like how he overused Maguire, how he overused Rashford last season. I mean, if he likes a player and he thinks a player can do something, he doesn't care. Ole just puts him, you know, for the full 90 minutes. But what if and he doesn't do well? I, I, that's the question. What if he that's starts a, No, that's the thing. Like, there have been so many... Bro, there's so many games that Rashford has been playing shite, you know. But okay. he still consistently played Rashford on. So I don't see um, Ole deviating from that with Ronaldo, especially. Because Ronaldo is the type of player... I mean, I've seen some games for Juve where... He's not had the best game, bro, for the whole of the 90 minutes. But there's one, two minutes in the game where he scores a, a goal and, you know, he contributes essentially and, and, and wins the game for uh, Juve. So, he's that s- sort of player. And coming back to your point, Kaiser, yeah, he's 36 already. But the numbers that he, he's been putting up for the past, I think, what, nine seasons? Or am I wrong here? Nine to ten seasons, I think, has been more than 20 goals per season. And last season, he finished uh, top scorer in the CAR above Lukaku. So, yeah, he's 36, but this is not a normal 36-year-old, Kaiser. you know. Even Messi, they're, they're not, Messi's two years younger than him. They're, they're not normal. They're very different. They're far different in terms of um, their physique itself, how they look after their physique. And I feel Ronaldo is someone who can play up to till he's 40, bro. The other thing that I can't help but think is how much was Ronaldo in Man United's thoughts before City were in for him? It seems so reactionary. It seems sort of they've almost done it just to stop City from getting him. Which again brings the question, you know, how well thought out was this? Is this something which they saw at the beginning of the summer? Because Ronaldo, I, I'm pretty no, sure no. even before it's, the Euros was looking at, you know, yeah. the, you know moving. Yeah, no, it was, it was very obvious. Even, even Oli came out and said he didn't know that we were going to sign Ronaldo. Because the thing, another thing about Ronaldo signing, a huge part of it, I felt, we signed him in 24 hours, yeah? So if if United want to actually sign a player and the board is you know on on uh, track with everyone, they will sign the player. So I think to a certain extent, this is also because of the commercial value Ronaldo brings. Every club in this world, uh, when they negotiate sponsor deals, right, is based on the following that they have. 
And Ronaldo has over 350 million followers on Instagram. So the fact that Ronaldo is coming to United, who already are such a big club in terms of commercial, you know, I think that is what drove the the stakeholders. Because I, I watched a lot of videos, I read a lot of articles how about how Rio Ferdinand spoke of how um, Ed Woodward and the United hierarchy itself, you know, was so on board for Ronaldo coming in. And I and I didn't see it as, oh, you know, this is like a tactical solution to a problem that we have. We don't, we don't have a problem with Centre-Forward. If anything, we need a DM. Most importantly, we need a DM. But this was more of a, we are not going to let City take away, you know, a legend from United. And what would this mean for the fans? You know, there's a lot of things. And I, that's, that's what I feel, bro. But, but, but that's what I mean. ESL. So the, the fact, Ultimately, you know, you're yeah, talking about exactly. the marketability and you're talking about all, all that was the case at the beginning of the summer. So if those were the reasons for bringing Ronaldo in, it would have been, you know, it should have been in their thoughts from the beginning of the summer. The only thing which has changed between beginning and the, of the summer and you signing Ronaldo is City were in for yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So okay. Okay. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But bro, how And all those decisions be... ultimately were made okay, in like a even very short space of time. As a United right? fan, yeah. As a United fan, even if uh, we sign Ronaldo for the sake of just signing him so City don't get him, I think well done by the club. Well done by the club. That's how I feel, bro, personally. And I can vouch for thousands of United fans who feel the same way as, as I feel, you know? Because you cannot... You see, what I'm trying... I don't, I don't mean to offend y'all in any way, but it's it's quite hard to compare, like, for example, like a Gerard or a, or a... You know, some icon from your club were to go straight to your rivals across the city. How, how would that make you feel? But... It's difficult to remember, Kaiser. We spoke about this at your house. It's it's difficult to equate Ronaldo to the same level as as a sort of icons that you had yeah. at your club, you know. Because Ronaldo is. I Ronaldo. will only say, uh, I will only say, uh, Ronaldo and Messi are on a different yeah level. different but level. That's why altogether. I think that's why I think our our views are. I mean, and the other non-Man United fans' views are like quite key because this feels like a romantic uh, appointment yeah, you know? it and is, short, it to, is. short to midterm is that feel good factor yes yeah. commercial wise it'll bring sales but as we saw with so many other legends right Henri Ole coming back Lampard yeah. I mean that feel good factor can fizzle out once the actual like you get to see how like it he actually fits happening. into the club and how it plays yeah once things but get even with Ronaldo bad, but, I mean when you talk about the financial impact of it Ronaldo pays for himself essentially he pays his wages for himself that's that's what it is but you know in terms of okay if it start, doesn't start going well how is it going to turn out for the other players you know is Ole going to drop him these are all things that we have to see if you know it comes to fruition la. We, it's, it's quite hard to say now maybe it'll be easier to say in hindsight la, what, what would happen I think other people will be interested as well how you feel about yeah, you calling him a traitor day before and then next day singing <laughs> and then Viva the Ronaldo. Next day, yeah. <laughs> See, the reason why, bro, the reason why I say that, you know, just because City didn't sign him and we stopped that from happening, I say well done to the club, is because so many fans, so many people like me, one of the main reasons why I started supporting Man United was because of players like Ronaldo, Rooney. You know, these are the, the, the players that, you know, I've seen growing up. And at the time when Ronaldo was at the peak of his powers, he was the best player in the world, winning the Ballon d'Or, the Premier League, the Champions League, everything. And we felt that we could do anything. You know, that's the feel-good factor that he brings. And 
And yeah, well done, well done to the club, though. Well because if I'm not mistaken, because if I'm not mistaken, he would have gone, right? Because basically, personal terms were agreed, right? Just that City didn't make a bid. Yeah, yeah, but there's so. also the the story as to um, because there have been talks where United have, I know, um, uh, Ronaldo's agent has shown interest to him coming back to the Premier League, coming back to United, but United sort of like, you know, never took them seriously. But mm. you know, so the Jorge Mendes went like, okay, fine. Since you don't want to take Ronaldo, let's go to City and see how United react, you know. And that's when United suddenly the next day, next 24 hours, Ronaldo is in the red side of Manchester. So that is the theory as well, lah. You know, but I won't be surprised. He, he could have gone, bro. He could have gone. Ronaldo is a winner, you know. Mm. Fine, he has loyalty to the fans and all that. But at the end of the day, he's an individual who is a winner. And and yeah, you can win shit with, PSG, eh, with uh, Man City, man. P.S. Sir Alex, this is for you and all that. Yeah, so sweet though. <laughs> but given the benefit of the doubt, maybe, you know, maybe he's he's actually the faithful Ronaldo that we all know. So I think at the risk of this turning into the Cristiano Ronaldo podcast, we best move on. <laughs> uh, I think, I think, I mean, it's only a good thing. It's only a good thing for Man United, at, you know, on, on the looks of it. And nothing wrong for the Premier League as well. Second best to ever play the, play the game. So it'll be good. Maybe one day we'll have the best in yeah. see, but who knows. What do you mean? Um, <laughs> so yeah, you Liverpool fans from, leave, from, leave the beginning of time. from the beginning of time also you always say Messi still the greater <laughs> all, player. All I, I can say is six Ballon d'Ors from the beginning of time. Facts yeah. are facts. Numbers are numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so moving That's on to arguably um, Chelsea have smashed the transfer window again as they do most seasons. Uh, Lukaku on big money and on deadline day, they've just pulled out Saul Niguez for loan fee, 4.5 mil, with an option to buy in January, I think. So yeah, I mean, they they, they seem to have a very well-balanced, good squad to begin the window. And what they've done is just added quality on top of that. Um, looking at their game on the weekend as well against Liverpool, they just look a strong side. And I can't see how they're not going to be challenging for um, the league with these players on top of all that. Yeah, no secret. I think Lukaku is one of the biggest signings of the summer. I think most effective, long-term, um, sorted out their problem that they need. And then the next question, uh, people are wondering why they were going for Kunde uh, because they have a lot of centre-back options. Uh, but they did, they did release Zuma on the last day and didn't get in Kunde. So that's an, uh, that's an interesting one. Instead, they got Sao, which was also potentially a problem for them. They were slightly light uh, in midfield. I think they have Ruben Loftus-Cheek um, as backup and they released Gilmore. Uh, but they were still light with uh, Kante, uh, Jorginho and Kovacic uh, in there. Um, but yeah, especially post the Liverpool game, this addition as well. Saul is um, super experienced. He's played in the Champions League um, multiple seasons and gone far in it as well under Simeone um, and so yeah scare, um, <laughs> Chelsea has a scary outfit this year honestly yeah if anything right I think Chelsea have have sort of nailed the transfer window in terms of you know we talk about who has you know won the transfer window I would say a good transfer window is when you are able to address the problems that you have in your current squad and go in the market by the players to address those problems like yeah United signed Jadon Sancho uh, Varane and Ronaldo but we still didn't sign a DM you know, at the end of the day. So if I want to give it a 10 out of 10, I can't. I'll maybe give it a 9, 9.5 because like, it's Ronaldo. But with Chelsea, they needed a striker. They went and got Lukaku. And and they've essentially fixed what they needed to fix. And 
a very scary outfit like you said Kaiser very scary outfit so this let's talk about Saul a little bit um looks like a good signing obviously he's been quite a core part to Atletico's team over the last uh 5 6 years the only thing is over the last season minutes have been reduced he's not been yeah. i would say a, a regular starter in the 11 he didn't make the squad yeah. for the you know the spain squad for the euros as well this seems like a, a good chance for him to kick on in the chelsea side or do you think he'll again have you know quite limited minutes so yeah i personally think i don't think saul would be like a central figure in that chelsea lineup to be fair the three spots are reserved for kovacic jorginho and kante So maybe if one of them were to get injured, that's when Saul would come in. Like even at Atletico, he's he's a very good player, but more of a utility player. So for the past two three seasons, it's always been Koke, Llorente, and Lamar over Saul. You know, and and right now, ever since uh, Rodrigo De Paul arrived uh, from Udinese, uh, he has just gone in straight to the Atletico first eleven, leaving Saul on the bench. So I don't see Saul starting every game, but very very important player. Uh, for Chelsea in the upcoming, you know, Champions League, yeah. Premier League. So yeah, I don't think he's a first teamer, lah. I I think from Saul's view, it makes so much sense uh, as well going into a Champions League winning team. I mean, yes, you're not going to play week in, week out. Yeah. And you you weren't really playing uh, that in Atletico as well. Yeah. To join Chelsea on loan to get involved in a winning team. Yeah. I mean, it makes so much sense. Yeah. So I think uh, what it's five uh, million they spent the loan fee, and then it's thirty yeah. million to sign him altogether. I think that's very good. Business from Chelsea. Very decent. You ask me. Very decent. Yeah. Yep. So I think the last thing to move on, um, move on to would be what we thought was going to happen but didn't happen, and that'll probably be Harry Kane <laughs> in Manchester City. Um, Harry Kane. On, on our last pod, I remember saying just based on the spending Spurs have done, you know, I would have been shocked if the City. If City didn't come through with a bid and Harry Kane went to City, yeah, because, yeah, you were convinced. You know, I, yeah, I was so convinced. I wouldn't have thought yeah. Spurs would just be things are in place backing yeah. Nuno for, you know, just for the sake that he's <laughs> coming this summer. Um, but obviously, it's played out that way. I think Daniel Levy has literally just put his foot down and said no. Uh, I've read things about him literally <laughs> not even picking up the phone or answering any emails and things. <laughs> Which you know what, like when you think about football and you think about transfers, you don't <laughs> you don't think people you know people just don't pick up their phone and ignore people. You know, it's it's so it's quite funny when you think of Daniel Levy sat in his room just not looking at his phone. <laughs> Airplane mode. <laughs> But I think this has you know implications both ways. So let's talk about Spurs before we go on to Man City. Kaiser, I'll come to you first. Spurs. So again, I don't know in Nuno's thinking. Did he know definitely Harry Kane's not going to be moving? Had he always had Harry Kane and his plans for the season going forward, or do you think he's had this whole preseason, which is reduced anyway? Spurs came back um, quite late, and Nuno was appointed quite late, so they already had a reduced preseason. And do you think they had a yeah. plan to go without Harry Kane, and now they're going to have to tear everything up and start to include him again? Or how do you think they would have approached that? Yeah, that's the thing. There's no, there were no transfer inklings about any big uh, striker signings, right? Uh, for Nuno, uh, but I would really like to think he would have some names in mind. And with that amount of money, I think um, the discussions would have gone pretty fast uh, for whoever he wanted to pick up. I think he did have uh, plans either way. And Kane now saying that he will stay for this summer. Right? <laughs> At least that's his for the uh, summer. He didn't specify for the summer. He didn't specify the <laughs> yeah. year or the season. Just yeah. this. That summer. was his tweet. 
this summer. So what's going to happen is, right, he thinks he's going to go to City, but then City buy Haaland. Yeah. And then Kane's 30 years old, but he's still a decent striker. And then United buy him. That's what's going to happen. Trust that's me, that's going to happen. Yeah. Prediction. Yeah, every year that goes on, right? Every summer that goes on, I think Harry Kane's likelihood of leaving Spurs just decreases. You know, more and more. He's aging one thing. Daniel Levy will let him, never let him go for, you know, extortionate price. Um, yeah. So, you know, the feasibility yeah. of that happening just decreases. So, I don't know if it doesn't happen, you know, in January, the latest. I don't know if it ever will. So, let's talk about the other side. So, City there, again, they are planning for number nine to come in. Not not really been linked to anyone but Kane, I would say. I think there were tentative links to Haaland and stuff. But now they don't have a number nine. So... Do they go with... Fer- Ferran Torres is playing in the nine. For some reason, he doesn't fancy Jesus there. He's playing him w- wide right. Vis, how do you, do you, how do you think they're going to go with this now? Are they going to play how they did last season in terms of not playing with a nine at all? Uh, do you think they look to sort of switch Jesus back into the middle? Um, you were very insistent that they needed a nine. Yeah. And I still think they need a number nine. Um no disrespect to Ferran Torres. I mean, it's still early days. Maybe he would turn out to be the number nine that City never knew they had, right? But moving forward, I think this is how it's going to be with uh, Ferran Torres, you know, in the middle and uh, Jesus playing on the right. But in all honesty, I think it wasn't... Okay, fine. Going back to your argument, right? Your argument was that, oh, they've won the league without a proper number nine. So maybe Pep actually believes that they can, you know, win the league again. And win the Champions League without having to sign a proper number nine. You know, they have Ferran Torres. But was Kane... I'm sorry, was uh, Grealish really necessary? Now, you know, you take a step back and you see, was it really necessary? 100 million on on something that you already have in your team. You know? Yeah. Was it really necessary? And I think the other question, yeah, the Grealish question is one thing. But I think possibly City might have thought they'll be able to shift Bernardo Silva or Sterling possibly this summer as well. Yeah. yeah, And then when they were in a yep. position where this wasn't going to happen and they're not getting Kane, they thought, okay, fine. I mean, we still got a decent squad. Let's go along with this. But sorry, Kaiser, you were just about to say something. Yeah, I wonder if he'll do something interesting with uh, Sterling, KDB being false nines as well. I think he experimented a lot with those. So I think they're going to be very fluid, uh, all those front players uh, this season, is what I'm guessing. But I think overall... Like you said, uh, this Chelsea might have won this transfer window, but a bit too in the mid to long term. Yeah. If City managed to get Haaland next season, I think they've won the the sort of five year transfer window because that will yeah. yeah that's a generational transfer basically, yeah. and they're sorted for how many yes. years. Um, such a massive signing if they manage to pull that off next year, and sort of Harry Kane, both Harry Kane and Ronaldo. It feels like their heart weren't in it. I think they they would have done the deals if they saw it would make uh, make sense uh, economically. But I think they would go all out for for Haaland. Is my prediction. But I think that's why that, that's what's so odd to me that you know if Pep really was so desperate for a striker and he really wanted Harry Kane, surely you have an alternative lined up. Or you mean to tell me there's no one else that they want, whether it's on loan or. You know, do you know what I mean? If you think you need a nine that desperately, surely Harry Kane's not the only one you can look at. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, he's happy with Ferran Torres. I think he will be something else this season. I think because of the lack of the signing, I think Chelsea are, are favourites. I don't know what the bookies are saying, but... Oh, to win the league? Uh? Yeah. Huh? Chelsea, yeah. Uh? 
Yeah, I would say Chelsea. Yes. Yeah. So I think then I think finally just before we finish because we are surprisingly for just a casual chat we've been going on for quite a while. Um the transfer window I think was quite disappointing if you if you're a Liverpool fan in the sense it seems like a missed opportunity um to not only bolster the squad but sort of just take advantage of some opportunities that are out there league on because of the f- the the football money coming through has greatly reduced you know players are flying out from the french league for massive discounts will this be the case yeah. again next summer who knows you know there are loads mm. of clubs still recovering from the pandemic uh, you know from a liverpool point of view even if you think klopp looks at the squad and he thinks oh you know i'm pretty happy with this we got depth where we need that i think sometimes you just have to look at the situation in worldwide football and say hey you know we can get this guy for 20 30% less and we have him for a year extra why not do it for example real madrid signed kamavinga yesterday i don't know how often he'll be starting in the first few years that he's there maybe he goes back on loan to the french league again and that's absolutely fine i don't know why liverpool didn't do that kind of business and there's some glaring holes not glaring holes but there are some some cracks in the squad that definitely need addressing kaiser yeah uh especially after that chelsea game i think it's more pronounced um that there wasn't a difference maker we could bring on i think he doesn't have trust in Minamino to play any of those uh, front three positions i think he prefers to be a 10 and so when you have mane and firmino out of form uh, for extended period of time there's no one really to challenge because uh, yes firmino and jota the ones interchangeable and sala we're lucky that he's always been on form but that's one thing that attackers the midfielders we lost genie uh, who literally played almost every game uh, last season and we're just hoping on keita Ox and we'll see Elliot uh, but of course he's 18 years old we can't hang our hopes on on him as well uh in the defense we are <laughs> um spoiled with Stop options now, now. center back we've got all the center <laughs> <Yeah>. backs <laughs> <laughs> complete opposite to uh, last season's uh, injury doubts um but I don't know um yeah I feel definitely one or two additions would have uh, would have helped but knowing Klopp he always waits for the the right uh, opportunity the right personnel um but yeah you as you said maybe this was uh, the period where he should have um, just taken a chance but the thing is for me right i think klopp is is such a good coach that he doesn't need to sort of sign the ronaldos or the messies or the or splurge 100 million on jack grealish or what to actually challenge for the title to go on and challenge for the Champions League and from what I can remember when Liverpool actually won the Champions League and you know that season also you were what you all got second right in the in the league yep, and you yep. were challenging for the title uh, title the next season you all didn't sign anyone you all signed I mean of course prior to winning the Champions League you had signed uh, Alisson and Van Dijk but then after that after winning the Champions League you all didn't sign anyone You know, you all sort of went through that season. I I remember how it was because Liverpool fans were sort of like this as well. They all were a bit, you know, sad and like moaning and like FOMO a lot. But then mm. the first what you all got seventy nine points out of the first eighty one points possible. You all were like a steamroller. You know. I think another thing to note on that we were very lucky with no injuries. No injuries uh, and that all that. So as well, yeah. So I mean that's a big if right again yeah. I think this season but if there are no injuries um similar to this season then I am 
pretty confident that I, yeah um, I'm quite confident also you all have a very good season I think the fact that yeah. you all are feeling this way hit. is because Chelsea have gone and signed Lukaku we have signed like Sancho Varane Ronaldo and then uh, fair uh, yeah, yeah so it's, it's comparison yeah it's so it is it is I understand how you, you and, might feel and also that. the and also the fear from last season because it all went pear shaped so fast with a few yeah years. and Klopp is a type of manager you give him a, like like limited resources he can make like wonders out of it you know and that's also partly why the reason they actually signed Klopp in the first place because they know Klopp is a type of manager given the circumstances will make gold you know out of what he's yeah, given well, I think and I think now it's a bit of a different conversation because if he leaves in 2024 he has to uh, think about the players he will leave on like okay. the next manager will not be the same coach as good coach as he is right you so see, the that's thing is, a, yeah, he a took fact about, that he really had to think about he took about 3 years 3 to 4 years correct me if I'm wrong here he took about 3 to 4 years to come to where y'all are now like to win the Champions League to actually challenge for the title winning the title you know mm. and what I'm looking at is okay let's say next year or the year after let's say this season for some reason you guys finish second and Chelsea win the title for example and then next season you know your your forwards your front three are all in 30 31 what 30 31 correct and they start mm. for example they start to decline and then he would need to rebuild again because Liverpool I don't think are the type to go and splurge 100 million 150 million I, I don't see them doing that so that will take another three, two, three years for them to rebuild and then start challenging again, you know, for, I mean, it's probably bullshit lah what I'm saying, but this is what I feel and I don't know how y'all feel about it. Do y'all see, the, see it the same way that I see it, Rahul Kaiser? I think, I think for me, a lot, I mean, a lot of what you're saying makes sense, but I think it's not necessary. So you're saying Klopp is a, you know, he, he can work with a budget. He can work with a limited squad. But why? But why do we have to do that? We have a positive net spend. We are one of the biggest clubs in the world. Why, you know, why put why? yourself in that position? That's right. Okay, fine. I understand. We are, we are never going to be signing Lukaku's. We're not going to be putting yeah. players on massive wage packets. Look at that. I, I bring it as an example again. Look at Kamavinga. Someone who will be a world-class talent in three, four years. Why aren't we spending that kind of money? You know, that's, that's where I... I I'm a bit worried about the squad. And then you talk about, oh, you know, we didn't sign any players before the season before we won the league. 100% I agree with you. But that was three, four years ago and all of our players were coming to the peaks. You watch Mane play at the minute. You watch Henderson play. You watch Firmino play. They're not the same players that they were three, People, four years ago. Yeah, if anything, yeah. I would say that they're on the other hand of the hill. You know, they're coming the other side. And that's why succession planning is so important. You want to put players in place so that you're not bringing them when you're sending ma- selling money. You want them in place yeah. that when money is declining, you can ease these guys in. Yes, yes. I so I think I it is difficult. It is difficult, but we'll see. There's a lot to play. There's another, what, 35 games to go? Where hard, you know, her season's yeah. hardly started. Hopefully, you'll be laughing here when uh, the Reds pick up number 20 as well. Um, <laughs> but just to, just to finish, uh, let's get your guys' predictions just off the cuff. We've not even discussed this before. After oh. transfer windows finished, who do you guys see now winning? Now that you've seen all the business done, uh, Kaiser, I'll come to you first. Who's winning the Premier League? Uh, with the biggest uh, spending, I think it has to be Arsenal. They are a prime example of how you can spend hundreds and fifty million and all that, but <laughs> still stick Unbelievable <laughs> transfer window. We're going to get a lot of stick for this now. A lot of stuff. 
I think. Oh, sorry. Carlo, I, even doing I thought I almost thought it was a serious suggestion. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Wow, that's very worrying that you thought it was serious. Uh, yeah, in all seriousness, I think as I mentioned earlier, I think uh, based on transfer window, I think it'll be Chelsea. Uh, being the favourites now to win, yeah. This, yeah, Chelsea for me, unfortunately. Well, that's Chelsea what my gut says. Yeah, I think ba- I think based on the performances and the fact City have dropped points the first game of the season, I think that's why it skews all of us. Um, mm. Mm. I, I think City will do it again. I think City will do it again, just because um, they've done it before. Wow. The players they have no, and they've done it before. You know, um, so I can't see past them. Chelsea are very good. I think they'll run them very close, but I can't see past definitely either two of them. The thing is, right, I, I, I see City that way also, but I feel City will somehow drop points along yeah, the way. I, but Chelsea, yeah. I, I don't know. Lah. I think they'll, they'll just win. Lah. They'll just yeah, win just the league. Relentless, yeah. Yeah. They look relentless. They remind me of Mourinho, 0 4 5 teams, Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is, yeah. Uh, true, true. you know, pretty scary. Oh, gosh. Scary thought. So on that note, I think we'll call it a day. We've got another pod coming out. End of this week, Kaiser. I can't remember if it's Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. Yeah. One of them. We'll use the international break as a chance to try and go into more of the games and maybe cover some teams which we haven't covered before. Um, but for today, that's been all from uh, the reaction. It's been the Bowler Boys. Thanks. Sonny is very lucky that his father is a better person than Oli. And I think you, 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 you are an ostrich. Next Tuesday... April Fool's Day is the biggest fool in Manchester, and that is you, David Myers. Football heritage. No one wants to be a fullback as a kid. No one wants to grow up and be a Gary Neville. But unfortunately, crimes and wars will multiply. I love football. <laughs>